I'm not a fan of it. I don't like the whole, you know, bravado pushing people around, you know. You know, if they're that brave about things, my players in their players get into a UFC cage and I'll see how brave they are, you know. So we're out there to we're out there to play football and that's what I want our guys to do, focus on playing football and they shouldn't get motivated by things that aren't really that important to us. And um, like I said, we got sucked in the first half. The second half was much better. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to the reason that I'm here is because you know, the club is seeking change. Well, whether you come or not, you're going to see a completely different first team under me. You know, my hope and my desire, and what I'm going to try and do is give our supporters hope and, and belief that we're, um, you know, we're going to embark on something special. Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. I am your host, Andrew. You can follow me at Astetka. You can follow us at. Tottenham Depot. This is episode 163. We're jumping on just a few hours after it is Tottenham Hotspur 3, Brentford 2 at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. A very spicy, eventful, exciting, enthralling game. Someone who is also spicy and eventful and enthralling is Todd, and he is at TC underscore show. Todd, what's up, my man? Any day, sir. Any day that you can go down a goal and then hang three on some clown nose celebration stealing douchebags is a good fucking day. Amen to that. Uh, Scott is also with us. He, of course, is always on target, just like James Madison. He is at Scotchy Bird. Scotty, what's up, man? Well said, man. Well said. Appreciate that that solid intro there. Um, good, man. Good. Wonderful, wonderful result today. I'm I'm pretty fired up and riled riled up about what I saw from from uh, from the opponent today. Um, so super excited to get into to this match. We we certainly kicked their ass, and it felt good. We uh, are coming to you midweek because we feel like this is a game I think worth talking about. Um, we're going to touch on a few other things, and we're also going to get you another pod this weekend because that's just kind of what we do. There are more games coming, but we didn't want to let this one go without um, kind of a, a little bit of a full-ish pod. You know, this might not go as long as all the other pods, but we want to talk about this one because it was, I don't know, it was interesting to me, guys. I watched this game a little bit on delay, a little bit, did not watch it live, Um sat took a few notes i do want to go over some of those things but um tc in the grand scheme of things like this is this is just one of those wacky premier league games that um i i kind of enjoyed the resiliency that this club had to to come out on top of right yeah man standard london derby um and and this squad are are no strangers to you know going down a goal and having a rescue uh points from uh losing position um I thought it was a, a testament to Ange Ball in the sense that, um, you know, you just kind of stay the course. We had several opportunities in the first half to capitalize. We shit the bet. Uh, we didn't take those opportunities. Um, and Ange made the necessary changes uh, at, at halftime to um, come out and really combat the physical nature of the Brentford side that we saw today, Andrew. 
I think that's kind of the big takeaway. And and before we even get into the lineup and, and breaking that stuff down, Scott, like what, what was your takeaway on that aspect of this? Like for me, this was a game where Spurs for the first 10 or so minutes, maybe a little bit more than that, were really, really good and really dominant. And then Brentford kind of said, all right, not, no more of this. And they started getting really physical and antagonistic and really trying to fuck shit up. And it really like turned the game around and then we'll get to what happened after halftime. But like that to me was the whole mantra of this game. It was very stop start, a lot of free kicks, a lot of fouls, a lot of pushing and shoving. And, you know, I mean, I'm not saying going to say this almost came to fisticuffs, but it got a little close at points. Yeah. Honestly, I really think Brentford decided that, and this is credit to Ange and the squad, that the only way to stifle us was to one, mentally affect us, get inside of our heads, and two, disrupt our rhythm and our flow and just not let us find that rhythm and flow, right? So <clears throat> when when your tactics is you know, as much as we talk about dark art shit houseery, all of that, um, teams do that against teams that they can't figure figure a solution out for, right? So um yeah, I I I take pride in the fact that Brentford came at us like that and I take pride in the way that that we reacted. Again, we'll get to that. But but all that said, it worked for them for the first half for sure. We looked like shit. Um, couldn't get anything going. We were we were our lines were off at the back. Our high line was not succinct enough to keep them from from breaking through. Um, and a lot of that's positioning, right? It's not like, oh, you didn't make a tackle or or you weren't fast enough, right? With this with this back line, if we're getting beat over the top, it's all just based on positioning and and the, the four of them not being cohesive. So I think we saw a lot of that and. Uh, you know, as we've discussed, Brentford uh, made it hard for us to, to, to be sound there. So it showed, but, um, you know, obviously we get to it and figured it out. And I love that more than anything. I think the point you make about Brentford being kind of less than, I mean, I, I not a lot of people, if, if you're not, if you don't pay attention to like, like the grand scheme of the Premier League season, or you just watch Spurs and don't watch a lot of uh, Brentford are not the team. The t- team that we drew 2-2 on the opening day of the season that really yeah. looked kind of good like they've been bad this season they um had lost something like it hadn't won a game until their last win uh in the game prior to this against i think it was nottingham forest they hadn't won a game since like december 2nd um they're sitting 15th in the table like they're not having a great run of it they've been on very bad form so yeah maybe mucking it up a little bit was their plan let's let's talk about this lineup because i think it's kind of interesting um some of the the choices that Ange made from the start, and then we'll talk about the halftime subs. But Madison comes back in to start after getting the substitute appearance on Friday against City, and then Skip comes in for Hoybier, and we also don't see Brennan Johnson on the on the the sheet originally. It's Werner and uh, Kulisevsky out on the wings, flanking Richarlison. There's nothing about this lineup was all that shocking to me. I definitely like thought that. You know, Oliver Skip, the way that he's played in the last handful of matches, probably deserved to start over someone like Hoybier, even though they can play similar roles. Um, other than that, like nothing was that surprising me. I kind of expected Madison to come in. Any surprise for either of you guys on, on the lineup or anything you would have? I mean, obviously, there's a would have done differently aspect when it comes to the halftime subs here. But from jump, I, I mm-hmm. thought this looked OK to me. No, and I mean, I think what this looked like is uh, Ange trying to work uh, Madison and Bentecourt back into the side. Um, us not having Sonny and Saar and Basuma. 
them rolling Skip out there and realizing that the way that Brentford was set up was not the game for him. And they made changes. And I was, God, I respect Ange so much for going, you know what, mate? I got it wrong. Let's switch it up and go from here. Fucking three goals and 11 minutes later, there you go. Yeah, that's interesting because, and I want to let Scott get in on this midfield. You're talking about that, that choice specifically. I thought in the first half, Skip was our best midfielder. And it didn't shock me to see him coming off of the pitch at halftime because I thought something needed to change. But I thought the way that both Bentoncourt and Madison played, I, I'll, I'll full disclosure, I said I was taking notes. Let me jump into that right here because at halftime, I wrote down the names of six players on our team that I thought looked like they were way more interested in getting into fights and bitching about calls than it was they wanted to play. Um, like I said, six names. And both Madison and Bentacore are two of those six names. They both did not look interested in playing football, but Ollie Skip, I thought, did. Scott, what was your thoughts on the midfield in that first half? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the – as far as how the midfield played, I don't think it was horrible, but it certainly wasn't doing a good enough job of taking control of the match outside of those first X amount of minutes. Um, for for me, I really think that <clears throat> there's a pattern starting to develop, at least while Basum is out, and I think we're going to see PEH – in situations where teams are assumably going to be coming at us, um, like a city, for example, and we're seeing skip when we anticipate to have much more of the ball and a lot of possession in the final third. I, I'm I'm not sure as to why that is, right? But I, it seems to be a bit of a pattern. Um, so I'm not surprised skip started, but I, I think the simplistic view of how this all went down is and it's deeper than this, but Brentford was showing us a lot more uh, of their teeth than we expected. And a guy like Javier seems to be Ange's preference in that situation. So it worked, right? It, I, I can't sit here and tell you exactly why it did, but uh, as soon as he made those midfield changes, we looked like a much different team and our back line was a lot more sound, which always points in the midfield. Yeah, I, I think Andrew did. It, it can't be overstated that the reason why we're – in the position that we're in with teams trying to come out and press us and get under our skin and niggle us is because the, the Chelsea situation and you watch what happens when you get under Spurs skin, we sure. can be unraveled. That's the formula. If you can't beat us, get at us and we beat ourselves. And so I think that's essentially what Ange said in the post game is that we beat the, we beat ourselves in the first half. And we were more focused on arguing with the referee than we were about playing football. And so I, I think that that's an area of opportunity for us. And, and again, Anne said as much. So I, uh, I don't think this will be the last time that teams try to punk us like this. Um, and when we're not clinical like we weren't in the first half, it makes it look and feel a lot worse than maybe it was. Sure. I, I think that's a great shout, Todd. And, and I – you know, I, I also want to emphasize that the the move to bring Hoybier on also came with the move to bring Brennan Johnson on. And the Brennan Johnson sub for me was really interesting because it moved Kulisevsky to a different spot of the field. Mm -hmm. And I, I think I think that has been a real key to unlocking some of what this team is able to do offensively. It wasn't just about throwing bodies forward and it wasn't just about having more attacking uh, 
minded players on the pitch at the same time. It was about putting Kulisevsky as not the widest guy having to beat guys off the dribble, which he can do. Don't get me wrong, but he can't do it all the time. And getting him into a more central position for me in this, in this second half really changed the dynamic of what they were able to do from an attacking standpoint. I a hundred percent agree with that, Scott. I want to hear what you have to say on this, but I got to make the point. I don't think that that has nearly as much to do with Kulisevsky as it does to do with James Madison. And I think Madison doesn't have the legs to run the to to run the game from the center of the park right now. He's still trying to get back into form. And so because of that, like our first 10 minutes, to your very point, Andrew, look great. Got fresh legs, getting up and down the pitch, doing the things we need to do. When you get into that time and that, you know, middle of the or middle of the first half, and you're starting to see those legs go a little bit, and he's not as sharp, and you know that. Anybody who's played and has tried to work their way back into fitness at any level knows exactly what I'm talking about. You expect to make a cut and your body to move in a certain direction at a certain pace, and it's just slower than you want it to be. There's no other way to put it. It just doesn't react as quickly or as sharp as you want it to, and there's no other cure for that other than game time, right? And so shout to Ange for taking a look at that, Andrew, and saying, you know what? I need James a little further up the pitch as opposed to running the show from the middle of the park. Decky, get in here. Brennan, stretch the D. PH, hold it down. And that's what we saw. Yeah, fully agreed. I think the one thing Kulisewski does better than anybody else in the league statistically is run and run and run and run. And so he's got the legs to do exactly what Todd Todd's discussing, and I think it's spot on. Um, he created a lot of breathing room for Madison. And – PH, I got to give him a ton of credit. He came out and did a fabulous job because I hate saying it, but Bentaker is not up to snuff yet. He just doesn't have what we need right now. Um, you you can will. say it. You don't need to hate to say it because yeah. you're not going to get any disagreement yeah. from anyone here. Yeah, he's no, he's just it's not a legs issue, snuff. man. Yeah, exactly. hundred percent. I, I do think too, it's going to be interesting. You know, we've had sidebar conversations in the chat, Bentaker or Basuma, Bentaker, Basuma. Um, we're missing Eve Basuma big time right now, big time. He is, he's going to be an important player to get back for sure. And Bentaker, I think we'll have to continue to fight for minutes up against Basuma. Right? We have one week, we have one game a week the rest of the season. Um, there's no rotation if there doesn't need to be anymore, right? For for these next X amount of games, so it'll be interesting. Um, but yeah, Peh came in, did a just a phenomenal job and allowed those two to do their thing in, in front of him. It's a, it's a tough thing to do to be, to be a lone six like that, and he did a good job of it. Can we talk a little bit about Brendan Johnson's performance too? Because I thought it was really good. Um, and, and in a substitute role and in a, if you want to call it super sub role, I mean, I don't know if a super sub is someone that comes on at half, but like I thought he was also like, I, I don't just want to say that the substitutions were, were good on behalf of, Hoybier and moving Kulisevsky more centrally. Like part of the reason that things were getting done is not just because Kulisevsky was moving more centrally, but because Brennan Johnson was finding as much space almost at times as Timo Werner was the whole match on the other side. And by the way, yeah, that's Timo another thing. Great. Yeah. He looked really good. And and while the, the, the well, finishing and the, the, the he the, looked really the, good for Timo Werner. Well, let's, let's be fair. Dude, though. He's like, still, he still sprayed the fucking ball over the back of the net with his left foot when we needed to cross. He's still Timo Werner his ass off. He's going to do it every game, but I'll take that for three assists in three matches, Andrew. Exactly. And that's kind of what I was getting to. I don't need him to score. I just need him to produce in this, 
in this offense. Like I need him to uh, occasionally assist, but also create space because that's what his, his ability to carry the ball wide is doing. It's creating so much more space in the middle. And that's what I thought Brennan was able to do as well. But Brennan also has the ability to get in there and get gritty goals like he did off of Werner's foot. Like that was really impressive to see. I agree, Scotty. I think that that Brennan Johnson goal is the prototypical Brennan Johnson goal that we're going to see through the majority of the rest of the season. That's why we got him. That's why Ams likes him. Yep, for sure. The those darting runs to the back post, they look easy. They're not like those are not easy goals to score. Um, it's easy in FIFA, right? All day long, you'll put those away, but it's a tough thing to do. So I, I'm proud of him. I, First of all, he doesn't deserve any of the stick he's gotten. We all know that, nope. right? It's just silly shit. But we're also in a situation where there are no minutes to share, and Ange has no- nothing but points in you know behind the decisions that he makes. And so, if I'm Brandon Johnson, and I realize that with the return of Basuma and Saar and James Madison, Kuliseski is not playing in the middle anymore, and I'm competing directly with. Decky for for minutes on the right hand side. Tim Timo Werner's come in and done a great job on the left hand side. Got the start ahead of me today. Like it's kind of crunch time for him to to prove that he is worthy of minutes as as the season you know goes well, on and eventually closes down. Um, yeah. And and this had not. I need I need to say this. This has to be totally separated from the stick he's gotten because that's not at all what, what what is driving what I'm saying right now. All I'm saying is Brendan Johnson realizes minutes are few and there's a lot of us in the near future. And I just need to show the manager that I deserve to be on the pitch. And he came out and did that today. Um, he, 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 you can argue that he's looked better in glimpses than Decky does on the right hand side. Now, a lot of that's no. probably because they, no, hold on. A lot of that's probably <laughs> because of Decky's play in the midfield and Decky will never not start ahead of Brennan Johnson because Kulisevsky is like the fulcrum of our system, and that's why he's played every minute of the league, mm-hmm. I believe. So mm-hmm. I, in no way am I saying he should ever start over Kulisevsky, and that's not a knock to Johnson. That's a that's a head nod to, to Kulisevsky, right? But all I'm saying is that Brendan Johnson knows that he has – it's crunch time for him to prove that he should continue to be on the field, and I just – I think he did a great job of, of proving that he deserves minutes today, so I'm happy for him. Yeah. No, I, I 100% I think, agree I think, with you. I, I don't think, Andrew, that we're going to see a system under Ange where Decky is not featured. No, no, no. No, I, 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 would agree with, I would agree with that. I think what you're saying, though, Scott, is this team weirdly has options on the wing, which yeah. is not something hey. like we would have thought about. I mean, think about the fact that when, when Sonny's back, you're, you basically have two left wings, two right wings, and Kulisewski, who can play in the middle as well as be that right wing, um, we understand that men or Solomon had a little bit of a setback in his return, but eventually we would expect him to be back. Nobody ever mentions Brian Hill, and maybe there's a good reason for that, but Brian sure. Hill is still around. Like there I are wish him well at Brentford. Yeah. Or, there are uh, Brighton, options. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> there, there are options at least on these wings, so that's not a bad thing. Um, I, I, I totally agree. Can we can we shift back and and have a little bit of a conversation today about Destiny Nadogi's performance? Um, I, I do want to shout out Ange because in his post match was extremely complimentary of Destiny Nadogi. Actually, let's hear that right now. 
mistakes will happen, mate. I mean, he's, he's a young man. He's learning the game. But, you know, he worked hard. He was instrumental in the first goal, I think, um, driving through. So obviously, he scored, but just his drive. And he continues to present himself. I've got no issues with Destiny. I thought, again, he was good. And, you know, he made a mistake. <coughs> but, you know what, uh, I made more mistakes than that today, let alone in uh, in a career. And while Ange did exactly the right thing in praising Udogi's performance and not throwing him under the bus, I weirdly thought this was Destiny Udogi's worst performance in a Spurs shirt. Like the mistakes that he made, the the performance on the ball. I know he scored a goal and he gets credit for that, but like he looked extremely shaky to me. Am I alone in that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm alone in that. Yeah. Uh, I. I, I'll bridge the gap and I'll, I'll say that he had shaky moments for sure. I mean, directly, directly a fall for two goals, right? Uh, you can't look past that. But how many did they score? Really, three. Um, right? No, two. No, they he, scored two. Three, they two, scored yeah. both. So, both the goals he, they scored were yes. a direct result of Destiny so, and Dogi giving the ball Destiny, away. Like, yes. that's kind of what I'm you're, saying. You're right. And so he had shaky moments, but he also created a goal. He was involved in the second goal right even though not super directly um he played really well at times and for me a 21 year old in his first season in the premier league shit happens made two big mistakes scored a great goal um whatever before i let you praise him tc and i do want to let you praise him let me just say i'm not down on destiny the doggy overall i just thought like I, I think yeah. I think Destiny Dogi's great, and like I'm gonna expect as a young player for him to have games like this. I just thought, honestly, and I also think it's it speaks to the level of expectation that he's presented for us in his first full season. That I'm like, oh, this was not a good performance, and it's a performance in which he scored in. Like that, you don't you don't get that. I hear you. The second goal, I'm gonna put on PH as much as anybody else. That's just me. The one thing that I want to say about Destiny Udogi is his game against Chelsea was worse than this one. If we want to point out Destiny Udogi bad games, sure. Uh, and he scored a fucking goal today. So the other thing is with with Ange, Ange is gonna tell you like, okay, you give the ball away, they score a goal, that's fine. Go give me a goal, and that's fucking exactly what he did. So I think that like. He praised Destiny Udoji as he, as he rightfully should for, you know, being a professional and doing all the things that he needed to do and the performance that he's had throughout the year, which is standard standard and stuff. <clears throat> but what I heard between the lines more than anything else was in praising the character of a kid who had a tough day at the office and still managed to put in a 7 out of 10 performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was big. I mean, I agree. It, like, I just thought the, the level of expectation for Destiny Adogi and, and Pedro Poro, we've talked about them both at nauseum, like how good the, the fullbacks have been. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't see, you, you haven't seen a lot of those types of mistakes like he made today. And I understand what you're saying about the second goal, it being a little bit on pH, but like, he literally just didn't see Ivan Tony cherry, I said cherry picking. He wasn't really cherry picking. He wasn't, it's not like he was, <laughs> he was in a well offside position and got, got the ball handed to him. It was very awkward. Um, I think the cameraman was even fooled for a moment as to what the hell was going on, but yeah, it's awkward to see see those types of mistakes is all I'm saying. Well, I, I, I agree. And I also think it's worth pointing out just like city did last week. I think Brentford had a tactical plan around those, around those inverted fullbacks because both of them had no, neither of them were man marked, but what I was noticing that there was constantly a box around each of them and, Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, they they were dealt with. They were they were totally muted in the final third, and 
pressure was put on them in, in, in the defensive third and credit Brentford for, for that too. I, I just, I think one of the things that we're going to see become a pattern is teams really building their entire game plan around those inverted fullbacks because it creates so much just dysfunction for the opponent defensively and so many passing patterns that teams just aren't used to seeing triangles that you usually don't see on the field anywhere. And those have a real impact. So yeah, I think maybe what I'm saying is Poro and Udogi are always going to have a a hill to climb whoever they're playing, I think going forward. And that'll be on them to figure that out. I'm going to push back on that a little bit and say that was Thomas Frank's game plan going in and countered at halftime by bringing on a stalwart defensive six and an over the top <clears throat> winger and Timo Werner had the, probably the best game in the top. I'm sure it saved the team yeah. on the burnover moments. Yep. And Brennan Johnson comes on and we're able to flip it around and old buddy sticks yep. it in the back of the net and we're finding, we're finding space over the top. And that really is the pick your poison moment. Do you mm-hmm. want to get beat by the overload in the midfield with the inverted fullbacks, or do you want to get beat over the top, having your center backs go out wide against Brennan Johnson and Timo Werner, yeah. where they're able to run at you? I don't yep. know, man. No, it makes a lot of sense. I, I, I uh, yeah, I think all the all the reason, all the more reason to continue to sing Angie's phrases, right? Which we'll continue to do, but he uh, made an amazing adjustment at halftime. It was just two completely different performances. Yeah, I totally agree. And and in my notes, literally wrote down, wow, the the Brennan Johnson and PEH calls are massive. Like, what what a way to change the game, and what a what a decision to what a trigger to to, to pull in that moment where, you know, yeah, it's one nil, and but you're but you've been getting and and this is kind of the grand scheme of this game to me. It it all came down to brentford getting chippy and letting their physicality kind of rattle us a little bit in that first half and Ange saying no more we're, we're changing this game we're changing it right now we're not going to wait until the 75th minute and see if i can't chuck on a few extra attackers and make something different i mean he saw a problem and he decided to solve it right then and there and i think that that's a all, all credit to to Ange and dude um i just i was pumped about it that gives me such confidence as a spurs fan like to think about the amount of matches. Well, to think about the amount of matches in the inverse that we sat under Conte or Mourinho or even Potch, to be fair. So going, say, or even Potch. This is not, yeah, this is not yeah. working. What are we going to do? And we come out and beat our head against the same fucking wall for another 15 minutes until maybe, maybe they bring on Eric Dyer off the bench or something. Like, I mean, it's, it's never, it was never like a, a, a sub where you looked at and were like, oh my gosh, there's the teeth that we were looking for, or there's the, there's the shoring up that we needed. It always felt reactionary and like old mother Hubbardy, like, well, I don't really have anybody else. So I guess you go ahead and hop up there now. And like, I felt like with Ange, never reactionary. It's always a calculated decision and maybe that's just just his stoic nature but that's how it feels yeah i'm i'm totally on board it's it's been it's been a pleasure to watch the the the, so neil malpe uh doing the dart celebration after scoring and then getting it thrown right back in his face uh james madison to tnt sports uh, after the match uh 
joked that Malpe hasn't scored enough goals to have his own celebration, so he had to steal Madison's, is perhaps one of the best walk-off lines after a match that you can have. Uh, just fantastic work. And as much as I and, for that matter, Ange was on James Madison in the, I literally, guys, I watched this match and I took notes and then I started to prep a little bit for the pod that we were going to do. Uh, and I, I then listened to Ange's presser and I had to cross out like three different lines from my notes because Ange said them in the press conference. Like that's honestly how I felt. And he dug out James Madison for not playing football in the first half for talking too much to the referee. Like it was so wild where my brain was with Ange. And I'm not saying that to, to, to praise myself as thinking like Ange, but it was truly wild. And then for him to drop that line, I like all is forgiven. This is our, our, our spicy feisty English midfield and son of a bitch that is out there just like kicking ass and taking names. And while I didn't love the first half and didn't love the everything I've taught, it's the same shit that Richie was doing Romero Poro got into it like all these guys mm-hmm. I had written down to chew out after we lost the inevitably lost this game one nil the whole thing changed and it's a credit to it's a credit to Ange it is but it's a credit to those players too and it was it was a joy to watch and it's why we wanted to, to bang out a podcast um, I want to shout out Cootie Romero for being the cooler head that prevailed on that pitch Put in a 7.5 captain's performance. Mm-hmm. Truly deserved the armband in front of James Madison today and showed us exactly why. Didn't even get booked in a match like this, Andrew. Yeah, that's it. it is, uh, you know what? I, I haven't job, noticed man. that until now. The only two I mean, bookings that Spurs took on today were Kulisevsky and then Jamie Donnelly and his brief sub-appearance got one late for... Dude, and that was such a tough card for Jamie Perhaps Donnelly. being like, a little bit overmatched. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, You know what? I'm, I'm proud of that yellow card Jamie Donnelly took. That's good for his character. Just, th- it is just good dump, for his character. dump somebody. Um, I liked it. But yeah, honestly, is there is there a single one of you, either the two of you or any listener, that didn't think oh, shit, Romero's going to kill one of these guys and get sent off because we oh, all 100%. had that thought. We all had his, body language, his body language the entire time was the opposite of that. He was letting Mickey do the heavy tackling. I don't know if you noticed that today. I, for Romero's, sure, yeah. tackle, Romero's tackles were all standing. Not all, but by and large, Romero's tackles were standing, and Mickey got on his face, and it was awesome. It had been hard for that guy to not not slide a couple of times for sure. Oh but, man, the uh, amount of times he wanted to lay out Neil Mappe, I can only imagine. <laughs> that that makes me nervous too, though. Seeing Mickey put in those slide tackles because a giraffe isn't supposed to do that kind of thing with its legs. Like sure, that looks very sure. uncomfortable, and uh, like he he that guy when that boy goes down, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's a big sack of potatoes going down. It's it's like, a big. He's a large gentleman. Let's just call it those, what it is. But he's so guys, yeah, he is. He's our graceful giraffe, uh, our graceful cheetah, cheetah speeded giraffe. Um, uh, guys, Everton is up next on Saturday, and look, we're not we're not getting Sunny back. They advanced. We're not getting Basuma back, but we may be getting Potmatesar back at least uh, in some kind of role. He's supposed to return the team on Thursday after Senegal go out of Afcon, uh, um, but. The other two still still playing in their in their international competitions. Sar perhaps on the way back, and I guess the only other real like kind of big thing to touch on is that you know 
we're recording this, as I said, just hours after the match on the 31st. Transfer deadline day is on the 1st. Uh, by the time we're you know 24 hours from now, we, transfer window will be closed. Uh, Ange said in his pre-match press conference prior to Brentford that uh, it was unlikely that anything else was going to happen in or out for this club. He said after the match today that it's even more unlikely now than it was yesterday when he had his pre-match press conference that anything would, would be happening. So um, just, a, uh, I don't know, a brief word on what this club has done in this window. Obviously, if anything actually does trickle through outgoings or anything, we'll cover it at the weekend. But I'm I'm totally down with this window. I think it was a, a step in the right direction. Obviously, the, the business was done early, and the business thus far has looked important enough to I think carry this team into you know a really good second half of the season as they get healthier and get stronger with guys returning um, to the lineup. Well, I absolutely agree with that. I mean, we we filled two need positions within the first week of the window. Um, we undoubtedly strengthened our team, did so at a bargain rate, like high upside, low risk on both of those deals, and. We got the outgoings that we needed to have. We got fucking Eric Dyer off the books. Are you kidding me right now? I'm elated, Andrew. Addition by subtraction and addition by addition. That's a good window in January. Fuck Steve Hitchin. Yes. Yes. No, I, I couldn't agree with Todd more, though. A great window. We accomplished everything we needed to accomplish. We accomplished it early. I still would love to have seen an attacking midfielder come in. Um, I'll say it one more time. Grumblings of us sniffing around Gallagher still late in the window, right? And I, I in no way do I think that happens tomorrow, but that's the type of signing that I would love to, to see us bring through before the window closes. But outside of that, I think we've been absolutely perfect. 99% um, job accomplished and, We'll look forward to continuing to watch this team build next summer. We will indeed. Um, just a brief word on the Tottenham Hotspur women. Uh, last time we checked in with you all, they were facing Man City on Sunday. They lost that match 2-0. Of course, Bunny Shaw scored again because that's what happens. But it is better than the 7-0 result uh, that, that, that Spurs suffered at the hands of, of City last time out. Um, they also made a move today before the women's window closed, uh, the transfer of Angra James to Seattle rain and outgoing for them. So we're going to cover a lot more, uh, of the women's team when Caroline is back with us, hopefully at the weekend, they play Liverpool away on Sunday while the men, as I mentioned, are in action away to Everton on Saturday. So two trips up to Merseyside for the men and the women this weekend. And uh, we are going to return to you then to kind of recap all of it. If there is any weird, transfer news that trickles in on deadline day uh as scott mentioned there could be maybe an outgoing or two who knows but honestly the the other thing that we've we've read a lot about in recent days is that you know some of these outgoings that have been discussed for spurs you don't really want to weaken your youth side and while it's not like super important for the youth sides to be winning they are performing well and you don't really want to break up that momentum amongst some players that could be getting some good healthy experience at that level as well so there still could be an outgoing or two uh, to come, but we will cover all of that at the weekend. Uh, until then, for Scott, he is at Scott G. Bird. For Todd, at TC underscore Cachot. I have been your host, Andrew. I am at Astetka. Be sure to follow us at Tottenham Depot and uh, on all the social medias and check out our YouTube page as well. 
Until the weekend, we will talk to you then. As always, come on, you Spurs.